Welcome back to Cash Color Canvas. Cash Color Canvas presents. Oh, I got tongue tied. Um, I got a good friend of mine on today. Um, you you probably should know Ayana more than anything for CashColorCanvas.com. She's been an active writer. She's brought us many great stories. Uh, she was the first person to bring Lizzie Jeff to my radar, to be honest with you. Um, but today I got a chance to speak with her about her own personal dope podcast, Why Weed and Weed, um, marketing in the cannabis space and the need for more social influencers of color. So without further ado, Ayana, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I know I gave you a pretty decent um, intro, but for those who don't know, that you, was you a great a way intro. better. That was one. a great intro. Thank you so much. That was a fly intro. I feel really good. <laughs> um, yeah, I do a lot of things, man. I do so much. I mean, since I've, well, one, thank you so much for having me on your own show. I think it's so cool that we are having this full circle moment and like, you gave me my first like cannabis writing opportunity and now look at where I am like five years later. It's crazy. Yes. So I'm like, oh, this is so dope to be able to have this full circle moment. And I like remember looking at cash color cannabis and being like, I want to create something like that, but on my own terms. And now I'm creating it. And now you have me on your show talking about the thing I'm creating. It's wild. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I feel I feel like, wow, I actually did. something. So. <laughs> yeah, you did for sure. But yeah, I do a lot of host podcasts. Um, on season three now, which is crazy. And I have um, a marketing agency, MJI Canon Marketing. And that's where I work with uh, cannabis brands to do marketing and content creation. I specifically love working with Black-owned and women-owned cannabis brands. So those are 100% of my clients right now. I like to keep it that way. Um, and I also own a business. I tend to forget I own a business. I do so many things. I own a Cushion Cute, which is a CBD uh, skincare company kind of on hiatus right now as I'm just like redeveloping some things I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anything I don't think I am I think that's everything <laughs> that's dope I right, well you did forget one thing um I, when was the first time that you actually consumed cannabis Ooh, I was uh 18 I didn't I wasn't a stoner in high school at all I had no interest I wasn't like against it I just was like eh, it's not for me and um, I've had anxiety forever. So one day I just tried it with some friends that I knew that smoked weed and I felt really good. I felt like, you know, it was making me feel good and it wasn't like scary, like everyone said it was gonna be. Um, and I kind of just dove into it after that. I just was like, oh, my anxious thoughts are like not consuming me for the first time. Yeah. And was just so fascinated by the plant since then. And I went to college, I ended up going to college for journalism. I actually got a, a, my degree in journalism. And I started writing about weed in college, which was fun because everyone else was like writing about really serious stuff. And I was like, I want to write about weed. I want to write about what's happening <laughs> in the cannabis space. And uh, it was the same time Colorado was becoming legal. So it was really fascinating. And I was smoking a lot in college as well, like all of us do. And that's when I really started smoking. But the first time I started smoking, I was like, this is interesting. This is, this is for me, I'm into it. And I just kept researching and reading. And then I ended up being the person who was doing the research and doing the writing. You know, I was about to ask you, do you use it more primarily for a recreational purpose or a medicinal purpose? But that actually turns into a better question. Do you mm -hmm. feel like we should even consider cannabis anything other than medicinal? You know, like, like I feel That's like they're two unnecessary, unnecessary yeah. categories. I feel like it's all medicinal. What do you feel? I mean, yeah, I totally am into the idea of it's all medicinal. It's a plant. Any sort of plant medicine is a medicinal herb. Um, there are people I think who do over consume to over consume and then it's no longer medicinal. 
I mean, it is still medicinal. They are over consuming to kind of medicate themselves to a certain point in an unhealthy way. But if you're, I think I'm definitely more of a, a, I use it medicinally. Like I am very mindful with my consumption and like what I consume, how much I consume at what time of day, what I'm trying to make it do for my body. Like I can mix a lot of CBD and THC and CBG and I'll do little, you know, formulas for whatever my body needs at the moment. But I think cannabis is definitely always medicinal. Of course, if you're just like over consuming to over consume and you are just like a super stoner and you don't believe cannabis, you're still using it medicinally. You are still using it to make you feel better, which is, you know, like a lot of medicines do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's get back to the business side of things. Um, You actually have a dope web, you have a dope podcast, Wine, Weed and Weave. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first heard you announce that I was like, man, that's a dope name. (laughs) That's a dope name for a show. Um, Speak to us about Wine, Weed and Weave and what made you come up with a concept of doing a podcast where you highlight women of color, uh, women of color in the cannabis space? Yeah, so I created Wine, Weed and Weave about three years ago. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to Cash Color Cannabis. I listen to Blunt Blunt Mama. I listen to The Read. I listen to uh, like spiritual podcasts. I listen to all sorts of podcasts. So I'm a big fan of just listening to podcasts. And I've always wanted to do one. And um, I did one in college and I like hated it. I hated the sound of my voice. I hated everything that I did. And I just never returned to it. But uh, about the time where I started this podcast, I was working in a dispensary and I was the only Black woman. So I was working there and I just didn't really feel like I had anyone to talk to and like no one could relate to my experiences. I was working with uh, black men, but still they weren't having the same experiences I was like, they weren't getting hit on as for I, I was and they weren't dealing with like harassment every day as for I was. And I'm like, man, I bet a lot of other black women in the industry, like kind of have the same thoughts and like have the same problems, have the same struggles. Let me put this on a show. Let me like talk about this with some other black women that I know. Cause I know, so many black women in weed, which is incredible now because there used to not be that many of us. Even when I started, I would usually be like one or two in the room or I'd be the only one in the room. Everyone that I worked for or that was my client five years ago, I was the only black woman in the room or just the only black person in the room. And I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling, being like, huh, that's weird. We're the only one in here. Um, so I kind of wanted to create a community where Black and brown women could feel safe to talk however they wanted to talk, you know, speak whatever language they want. They could cuss. They could say something happened at work. They could talk about some, you know, awful, you know, things that are happening in the cannabis industry or talk about the great things that are happening as well. And then also highlighting the work of women in color. Because even though there are so many of us, I don't think we're highlighted as much at all. And people don't really know who we are or like who the faces and the real people are behind these brands that we're building. And once you learn who we are, you're like, Oh, this is like my home girl. Like this is someone I really relate to. And every single woman I've had on the show is just so, so incredible. And they're all so freaking funny and everyone gets so high. I make it a point to get everyone really (laughs) high. And they all just are like just such badass women that are just like building their own tables and creating their own things. And since I've started it, I just haven't been able to stop because there are just like so many amazing black and brown women who are in the industry, like doing so many amazing things. So I'm like, I have to add her. I've talked to her. I've talked to her. I've talked to her. I cannot have, I can't eliminate anybody because everyone is just like doing their own thing and doing it so well. And we're creating this community and we're all like, 
creating community around the show and it's really cool. That's that's super dope. And it's, it's another reason why representation in me, in media, especially as far as having black people as the not just the host, but black people as the editors and deciding mm-hmm. what the content is, is because yeah, there are a lot of black women in this space. Like there are a lot of black men. There's a lot of people in general. But what you don't get because you have such a narrow lane of actual media that covers this is you get a limited amount. You get a limited view of who is here. You know, you just get yeah. about five or six of the same names over and over again. So it's great yeah. that you have a platform like yourself who introduces a whole nother a, a, a group of women to people who may not have known they existed. Yeah, and then they sometimes end up meeting each other or like finding out like some of my guests will not know about each other until they're on my show on the same season and then they meet each other in person. And I'm like, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Do you have a favorite episode? Oh, oh, don't make me choose one. That's a terrible <laughs> question. You know, as a journalist and a podcaster, that's an awful mean question. Oh my God. Um, I think the one that is one of my favorites, I think one of everyone's favorites this season particularly is the Cannabis Sex and Pleasure episode with Shani Hart. She is the owner of um, Hearts of Desire and Noir Leaf. And I've never met a Black woman who like, knows so much about sex and cannabis and makes it so fun and like so not like taboo she was great lizzie jeff i haven't had her yet but i really want to have her on the show and bluffle and mama was really dope too um yeah i can't pick one i can't pick one that's some amazing shows, man. You know, it's crazy you mentioned Lizzie because Lizzie actually came and did the Cash Color Canvas podcast and I she saw. is a vibe. She's, She's a, a vibe. vibe. She's a vibe. I've met her one time. Shout out to Lizzie Jeff and the energy that she brings into the room is just so amazing. And it was her birthday recently. And I've, I've had conversations with her in the last year for various projects. And I was just like, you're one of the first black women I saw in this space, uh, like just creating whatever they wanted. And that is such an inspiration to see all that and see like everyone that she's worked with and herself still thriving. Yeah, um, let's dive into marketing and cannabis. Um, you do work, you do have a, a marketing company yourself. So you do mm-hmm. work with brands and you understand the, 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 the many issues that go into having to be able to brand your, 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 your company in cannabis. Um, mm-hmm. Speak to us about some of the issues that you deal with with clients and how do you help them solve their issues when it comes to marketing and getting their name out in this space? Yeah, so uh, through my company and myself, MJI Cannon Marketing, I help small businesses, like I said, minority-owned, women-owned Cannon brands that are kind of up and coming, that are growing, that are in those early stages, create marketing strategies that actually work. Um, my whole thing is being creative and compliant because Instagram is always about compliancy and catching the algorithm's attention. And it's such a pain with cannabis anything because I'm sure as you've seen lots of pages are getting deactivated, getting deleted. Anything could be flagged. Like cannabis is still federally illegal. So Instagram and Facebook just hate it and want it gone. And you have to be really tricky and kind of work around the system and work through the algorithm and find all these tips and tricks. So after doing cannabis marketing for five years, I feel like I'm really skilled at it. You have to really know like how to be compliant and how to be creative with cannabis. And now the clients that I work with are all black owned, all women owned, like I said, and we're really building strategies for them that are effective by creating content that is creative and it shows their brand, it tells their story. And it's so, so, so important to have um, just a story like on social media, like everyone thinks social media is just posting a picture and you're done. You're like, 
just put this thing is for sale and you're done. Like, no, if we put something that's for sale, we're going to get shut down and flagged and deleted. And it's all. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you put for sale, uh, any sort of cannabis hashtags, like all of those things are things we have to work around and we have to be creative and do a lot of storytelling. So all of my clients now I'm really focused on telling their story behind the owner, behind the person. Cause my goal is always to, like I said, elevate minorities and women of color in the industry. And you get to know the people behind it. So you actually can connect with the brand as well as connect with the plant. And um, yeah, everything I do now is pretty much just helping clients be creative and compliant with, with everything they do on social media and tell their story in a way that actually makes sense and is actually going to represent them in a good way. Oh, you know, and I know a lot of brands nowadays, because of the the, the hindrances you'll find on social media, you'll try mm-hmm. to go through an influencer, somebody who already has an audience yeah. who already figured out what they need to do. We have a dearth of black influencers when it comes to cannabis, or at least the people who you you would you would actually um, you would actually promote and take serious. We have you know this talent therapy, this Betty Crocker. We have, we have some, but I feel like we need a we need a lot more. Why do you, yeah. what do you feel like we need to do to be able to curate a group of black influencers in cannabis who could kind of move the needle like some of the white influencers we see? Hmm, that's a really great question and a very very timely question. I was working on an influencer campaign with a very large brands, a very large black owned brands. Um, and some of the influencers who I worked with will know exactly who I'm talking about because it fell through. And I contacted a bunch of black owned cannabis, I mean, black cannabis influencers because I was like, oh my gosh, this is my opportunity to like put black women in the limelight. Like I was given an opportunity to run a whole influencer campaign. And I'm like, bet I'm gonna put every single black woman in cannabis that I know in this campaign, like absolutely. And as I started presenting this campaign to them, I just kept getting pushback about payment and their worth. And it was very strange because this was a, this was still a black owned business. It was a black male and I was definitely pushing black women. So I, I don't want to say that affected it, but I feel like it did, unfortunately. Um, and the problem is that the reason why we can't curate these communities and I've had conversations with my influencer friends who are in the cannabis space specifically, they're not paying them. They're not seeing their value. They're trying to lowball them and give them this much for this much work mm-hmm. or give them, you know, one post and no payment. Like it's just very interesting how the industry just still doesn't see the value of us. And they don't see how we're a really large consumer. Like we spend a lot of money on weed. And if they paid attention to that and actually put the money back into us and black women and black men that are influencers and consumers, and those influencers also spend a lot of their own money just buying weed, buying bongs, buying wraps and outfits to make those reels. And they need to make that money back. Like if you're an influencer, you're also a marketer. And that's why I really sympathize with influencers because I don't want to say I'm an influencer. I don't feel like I am, but I sometimes have those times where I'm put in the position of doing a promotion for someone and them saying they're going to pay me and they're not paying me what they said they were going to pay me. Or especially with the podcast, I'm sure you've learned like doing an ad for a podcast and it just not working out for some reason between you and the person you were supposed to do an ad with. Yeah. And it always just comes down to 
they just don't really see the value in me as a consumer in this space. So I think once the cannabis industry sees how valuable black women and black men, Hispanic women, Hispanic women, like just minorities in general, like there would be no cannabis culture without the minority cannabis community. So if they see that and they actually pay them for their worth, then you'll see more influencers in the space actually want to work. But I unfortunately see a lot of people bowing out, not only because like they're not getting paid and they're tired because like Instagram is very restrictive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great story to continue to have because um, what we're doing right here is going to definitely help, I feel, curate. We need to see more mm-hmm. people having these conversations who look like us and keep, that's another way to raise the value. I totally mm-hmm. agreed. I felt in my spirit when you said that <laughs> they will devalue you just based off the, the smallest things. You know what I mean? And I'm yeah, like, I'm like I'll argue to the death that I know what Cash Color Canvas's reach is. I know what we can do. That's why you're coming to me. But what mm-hmm. I can't do is do it for the change that you would give somebody else who simply just has me and may have more followers, but they're not necessarily tapping into the customer base that you believe you need. Yeah. Yeah. It's really strange. Funny enough. The, the company I was doing this campaign for and it ended up not working out essentially because we just weren't a good fit. I was like, you need to pay these people. And they were just like, no. I was like, well, I can't help you. Like, I don't know what you want me to do if, if you can't pay them. And then it, like probably a couple of weeks ago, I saw the company send a package to one of the influencers I recommended. And I was like, all right, I see y'all. I see what y'all doing. But I'm sure they reached out to her directly Maybe they did pay her the full amount. Maybe they lowballed her. Maybe they just sent her product for promo. Like, I don't know what happened in between time. It's just interesting how you see that the value and you won't give a black woman or a black man credit until way later. Like it's a way, way, way later. Not initially. You have to like see it and watch it and wait. Like just believe that we know what we're doing, what we're talking about. Well, conversations like this are definitely helping. And um, speaking of those conversations, how can somebody find Wine, Weed, and Weave and get into the conversations that you have? Or even if they needed marketing uh, help, how can they mm-hmm. get in contact with you? Yeah, so you can find Wine, Weed, and Weave streaming. I believe everywhere podcasts are streaming except Google and Amazon, but you can find it everywhere else. Everyone's usually streaming on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'm also on Anchor. I love the Anchor app because you can find a bunch of podcasts on there too. And uh, my website's kind of under construction. I don't know if you saw my Square site deactivated. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't even sell, I don't even sell a product. I'm just selling services. Like that's how shady it is in the cannabis community right now. Um, but my website's coming back soon, but you can find me on Instagram and all of the stuff that I'm doing in the marketing space at the marijuana Ayana. My website is live, just my services page isn't live. So you can't book me for anything right now. But if you wanted to see who I am and exactly what the uh, MJI Cannon Marketing does, go to mjicannonmarketing.com. And I think that's all of my links. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yana, thank you so much for your time. You are very insightful. Um, I wish you the best of luck with Wine, Weed and Weave. You know, I'm a podcast fan and I'm I'm definitely rooting for you over here. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I love this show and I'm excited that I got to be a guest. All right. No problem, man. Thank you very much. And that is Cash Color Cannabis Presents.